Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Catch every round of March Madness at Walters on Walters' countless televisions inside and outside the bar. This Nats season, make sure to add Walters to your pre- and post-game routine just across the street from the ballpark. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going did, on? Was he? Yeah, did he, he got hurt? Motion of the dugout. Oh, it looked boy. like he was shaking out his right arm. Oh boy! Oh wow! This is not what you want to see. They're going to take him. Yeah, I, they, can't, they, anyway. can't, they can't. They can't. They can't leave right. him. In. He, he, you could see displaying quite a bit of discomfort. And there goes Cade Cavalli, who had. One time through the order, allowed just a walk, no hits, no runs. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, March 20th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is in West Palm Beach, Florida, site of Nats Spring Training. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Never let it be said that the baseball gods are not cruel. They are cruel. They are a twisted, sadistic bunch. It was now two weekends ago, so the weekend of March 11th and March 12th that we had a rare multi-day stretch of good feeling and good news with the Nets. Saturday afternoon, March 11th, the Nets announced having agreed with catcher K-Bert Ruiz on an eight-year contract extension with two club options. Good news there. Then Sunday night, March 12th, the Nats' Joey Manessis was the talk of the baseball world, a two-home run performance in Mexico's 11-5 win over the United States in the World Baseball Classic. He had a single in that game to finish with five RBI. For at least one weekend, we were able to forget all of our Nats' troubles. We were able to numb the pain with some positive vibes. And then came this past week. And the awful, terrible, no good Very bad news regarding Cade Cavalli. The Nats, this past Thursday morning, put out a statement from Mike Rizzo saying that Cade Cavalli, in the third inning of an exhibition game against the New York Mets the previous Tuesday, so March 14th, suffered a grade three sprain of the ulnar collateral ligament, the UCL, in his right elbow. He needs Tommy John surgery, and he is out for the 2023 season. And just like that, all of a sudden, the K. Bert Ruiz extension, the continued rise of our guy Joey Fourbags, uh, those things didn't seem top of mind. Mark, this Cade Cavalli development was just about the last thing that the Nats needed, uh, but it's what they got this past week. Yeah, and it's funny, Al, because on our last episode, we opened with, hey, when is the last time we had so much good news to talk about with the Nationals? And isn't this nice 
for a change. And as I was sitting there in the press box in Port St. Lucie and saw Cade start shaking his arm after that pitch and the trainer come out and thinking to myself, oh boy, it occurred to me like, yep, the good vibes lasted for a couple of days. And this franchise, as we've talked about since the night of October 30th, 2019, they just can't get on any kind of good role. Some of it's their fault. Some of it is completely out of their control. This one, I think, was out of their control. It had such an ominous and eerie feeling to it. And I I know it was a couple of days for them to read the MRI and confirm it, but I'll just tell you, watching it live, I had the sinking feeling. I felt like I'd seen it before. I had seen it before in Steven Strasburg in 2010, and it reminded me so much of it. And the shame of it all is that up until that last pitch, Cade Cavalli looked great. He looked as good as I've ever seen him. It was the best start anybody from the Nationals had had this spring. And all of a sudden, one wayward change up and it all comes crashing down. And if you remember way back in the day, it's exactly what happened with Strasburg. He was facing the Phillies that night. He looked great against probably the best lineup he faced that year, the peak Phillies lineup of Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, all of them. And then all of a sudden, one pitch, a change up, changed everything. It just really brought back memories of that night for me, and it was so unfortunate that it would have to happen like this for Cavalli. It looked bad when it happened, like you said. The next day when Davey Martinez is telling you guys, yeah, we'll go with Chad Cool in the rotation, that seemed like a telltale sign that the Nats were expecting the worst. I mean, I, I don't think you're talking about a rotation replacement unless you feel like this guy is going to be out for a while, if not for the entirety of the season. And, you know, there almost are like two levels to this. There's the baseball level, but there also is that emotional level. And, you know, look, you feel for Cade Cavalli, okay? You feel for the team, but for the Nats fan base, this is like another blow since that World Series win in 2019. And it feels like nothing has gone right for this team. It feels like this team almost has been like cursed since winning that World Series. It's one of the reasons why we had so much fun on the last episode, because that was something legitimately positive and upbeat to sink our teeth into the K-Bear Ruiz contract extension. You know, you think about Tommy John, right? And we know the deal. Like, Tommy John, it's become almost, you know, like a dental cleaning for pitchers. Like, so many guys undergo it. I mean, part of me on Thursday morning when the announcement came was like, well, at least it's not thoracic outlet syndrome, you know, because we've become so accustomed to that. But he's out for the entirety of this season, And I guess it's possible he's out for at least some of next season too, right? There's no guarantee he'll be good to go for the start of next season. Right. Uh, You know, 12 to 18 months is the standard timeline for it. We've seen a good number of pitchers make it back right around the 12, 13-month mark. And so in theory, he could be all the way back and ready to go opening day of next year. I would also think, though, that given his young age, given the way they are so careful with young pitchers, especially those coming back from this surgery. And just the fact that it's not like he's had a lot of track record of throwing a lot of innings. Like even in a best case scenario, they're watching his workload anyways. So my hunch would be, even if things go exactly how they're supposed to go, I could see them pushing it back a little bit and having him start the season you know, in May or June, even something like that, to then allow him to make it through the rest of the year. So yeah, that's discouraging. I think I'm trying to look at this as a couple ways. One is if you're looking for reasons or we're looking for reasons to be excited about this upcoming season, things to watch for, things to latch on to. We've talked about it. The three young starting pitchers were, I think, number one on that list. 
that three out of every five days this year, no matter the results, you were going to watch Kate Cavalli, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray start a game and that there would be meaningful appearances and, and, and takeaways from that. And now all of a sudden you've knocked one of those three out of the equation for the whole year. So that's really discouraging. But I also could look at it a different way. And, and I go back to Strasburg with this as well. As tough a blow as this is for Kate, as tough as this is for the Nationals and fans for this season, I don't think it necessarily has to disrupt the bigger picture and timeline of their plan for what they're trying to do moving forward. Let's remember, Strasburg gets hurt as a rookie in August of 2010, basically misses the whole 2011 season, comes back and pitches the last month of that year. 2012, he's good to go. And he is the ace of a team that wins 98 games and wins a division title. Jordan Zimmerman, same thing, just one year earlier, has a surgery end of 09, comes back end of 10, pitches all of 11, and is a big part in 2012. There's so many other factors to all this, of course. I'm not going to proclaim anything. But if the idea here all along is that the Nats by 2025 could be ready to field a winning competitive team again, I don't think this changes that if everything goes according to plan for Kate Cavalli. Yeah, it certainly doesn't eliminate that possibility. I think a big difference, though, is that at least when Strasburg needed his Tommy John, he already had demonstrated an ability to pitch at a high level in the majors. Kate Cavalli has not done that. He has made one major league regular season start. It did not go well. Uh, last August 26, a 7-3, Nats lost to Cincinnati, uh, seven runs in four and a third innings. So there's still a ways to go in terms of Cade Cavalli establishing himself as a major leaguer. There's also this too, you know, you look at his last 12 months, there has been quite a bit of injury. And you do have to start to wonder if Cade Cavalli is one of these guys who has a hard time staying healthy. Remember, he made his major league regular season debut, like I said, last August 26th. The Nats then on August 31st, retroactive to the 28th, put Cavalli on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. And then this past September 16th, we learned that Cavalli had been shut down again, had received a cortisone shot due to having experienced right shoulder discomfort during his first throwing session since going on the 15-day IL. And now the guy needs Tommy John surgery. So, you know, I don't want to just slap him with the label of injury prone, okay? I don't think we're there yet, but the last 12 months have not gone swimmingly from a health standpoint for Cade Cavalli, and he still needs to establish himself as a pitcher at the major league level. And, you know, him missing the season, it's not just about, well, now he has to come back from this serious injury. You know, this is a season of growth and development that he's not going to have. You know, like this guy pretty clearly needs to start accumulating some major league innings and going through the rigors of a major league regular season and becoming a pitcher. And he's not going to have those experiences this year. Yeah, no, you're right about all of that. And whether he was successful this year or not, just the experience was going to be a big deal for him. And, you know, let me also point out here, it should be obvious, but just to make it clear, Steven Strasburg was a once in a generation prospect who everybody knew was going to be great as long as he was healthy. Kate Cavalli is not Steven Strasburg in terms of being a pitcher. Maybe he becomes that guy, but he was a 22nd overall pick, didn't come in with the same kind of reputation, as you said one major league start. The minor league, very good at times, but not. it wasn't a clear domination all the way through the minor league. So yeah, there's plenty of question marks there for him. The other unfortunate part of it, I know it's something that you bring up and are interested in as well, is he's on the major league roster already. So he's going to spend the entire year on the major league injured list on the 60-day IL. And what that means is that he accrues a full year of big league service time. 
And so even though he's not going to throw a pitch for them this year, he's going to get a year closer to arbitration, a year closer to free agency. We're talking way down the road. Maybe you know it's too much to think about right now, but you would certainly rather him gain one year of big league service time, getting the experience of pitching in the big leagues, as opposed to rehabbing in West Palm Beach, which is what he's going to be doing. Yes. I, on Thursday morning, texted my longtime personal friend, Mark Zuckerman, and I asked him the very insensitive question, is there anything that Mike Rizzo can do roster-wise to finagle this to where Cade doesn't get his full year of service time? But yeah, because he was on the 40-man at the time of the injury, there ain't nothing that the Nats can do. And so, you know, that is like the cherry on top of the whipped cream on top of the Sunday. Oh, yeah, the Nats are losing a year of team control uh, with Cade Cavalli as well. You know, it's amazing, man. We have all these analytics in baseball and, you know, I'm a big proponent of all that stuff. And, you know, we have a much better understanding now of batting and base running and defense and pitching. But the unconquered frontier remains injury, specifically pitcher injury. And every year, so many millions of dollars are spent on guys who end up missing substantial time due to serious injury. And there just still is not a way to forecast these things, to better prevent these things. I don't know if we ever will arrive at that point because you're talking about human beings and we're all different and everyone's body is different and everyone responds to different things in different ways. But boy, the prevalence of pitcher injuries continues. And as hard as these teams try to prevent these injuries, it does feel like you're kind of helpless. Like, I don't know that the Nats did anything wrong here. Like, when the arm goes, when the elbow goes, when the UCL goes, that seems to be just the way it is. And I don't know that there's much that you as a team can do about that. Yeah. And let's be clear about this also. I know you mentioned the shoulder issues you had last fall. I asked all winter, all spring leading up to this point, there was no indication by anybody of any physical issues. Cade said he felt great. He had no limitations, no restrictions, no signs of anything. And every pitch he threw, and I, and I asked him, like, did you feel anything prior to that last pitch? He insisted in the Nationals, you know, they study this stuff. They have the biometrics and all that. There was nothing until that final pitch. Sometimes Tommy John surgery is a result of wear and tear. And a guy will say, oh, my elbow actually hadn't been feeling so good for a while. And I tried to pitch through it. And then, you know, you even have, we find out later on, oh, they sent him for an MRI just to see what's going on with his elbow. We're not really too concerned. And oh, oh you know what? He actually has a significant tear in there. And well, maybe we're going to rehab it or maybe we're going to have the surgery. Remember Joe Ross dragged on for a while. No, this was truly one pitch and it snapped. The grade three sprain is a complete tear of the ligament. As best as anybody can tell, Kate Cavalli was fine on pitch number 42 that day and pitch 43, it snapped. And now this is a, a career altering injury. And it's really unfortunate. And like you said, Nobody has figured out yet how to avoid this if there is some magic way to keep your pitchers from breaking down like this. Max Scherzer is the exception to the rule, and all credit to him. He keeps himself in great shape, but there's only so much you can do. And Kate even himself said, like, in those first, you know, few hours as you're trying to process what just happened, he couldn't help but thinking, like, I thought I had done everything I was supposed to do to not have this happen, and it still happens. And I feel for these guys because they work so hard to stay healthy, and sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. It's maddening, for sure. Like you said, you can do everything right and still end up going wrong. And you know, with the Nationals, too, you have had this abundance of injury for young pitching prospects. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the Nats struggling from a player development standpoint, but part of that has been 
guys getting hurt. I mean, you have Cavalli now with Tommy John. Remember last year, a real riser, Cole Henry, thoracic outlet syndrome. Jackson Rutledge has dealt with injury, although he's on the rise. And you know, may- maybe he now becomes a factor at the major league level at some point this season. But Mason Denneberg, I mean, it's like a mile-long list of all the injury he has dealt with. Seth Romero, I know he had personal issues, but he underwent Tommy John. You know, there is an element of luck to all of this. I'm not trying to take the Nats off the hook for the drafting and player development. I think we've addressed that a ton on this podcast. But boy, I mean, if they didn't have bad luck with these guys, they wouldn't have any luck, it feels like. I mean, all of them, it feels like, get hurt and to substantial degrees at times. Yeah. And then even the guy that they, you know, acquired in the big trade, Mackenzie Gore, came in with an elbow injury. By all counts, everything's fine. Nothing like that for him. But like you said, there's been very little good luck come the Nationals' way in the last, what, three years now. It's how long it's been. And it's frustrating to everybody, but it does underscore why they say all the time, you need as many young pitchers as you can because you know the odds are they're not all going to make it. They're not all going to stay healthy. I think that's another reason that this one is particularly tough to swallow because it's not like there's somebody else waiting in the wings, a young guy to take over that spot this year. We may see some guys before the end of the season who could figure in a long-term plan, but it's not like there's another big blue chip pitching prospect waiting in the wings. It's going to be probably Chad Cool, a 30-year-old who may do fine for them, but he's certainly not part of the long-term plan here. Yeah. Chad Cool last season for the Colorado Rockies, 27 starts, ERA of 572. So, you know, that's what you're working with here. I mean, wish him well. Hopefully he pitches well, you know, but yeah, that's your replacement. I mean, you go from the excitement, anticipation of Cade Cavalli, you know, to Chad Cool. All due respect to Chad Cool and the Chad Cool family. By the way, Chad Cool underwent Tommy John surgery in September 2018. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Joey Fourbag's Manessis? If so, you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons, just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflicts. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you, and that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202-486-3535 or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market, and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a Rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The pitch, swing and a fly ball left field, deep to the left field corner. This ball is way back, and this ball is gone! Goodbye! It is an opposite field, grand slam home run for Darren Baker. Into the Astros' bullpen in the left field corner. And what a big smile on his face as he comes toward home plate. And his teammates there to greet him. And a standing ovation here at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches from the fans in red, the Nationals fans. This game is all even. The Nationals 7 and the Astros 7. Bang! Zoom goes Darren Baker with a grand slam. Well, Mark mentioned Mackenzie Gore. You know, it'd be one thing if, hey, Cade Cavalli's injured, but boy, this guy Mackenzie Gore, he is killing it. I mean, he is just going to be an assassin come the regular season. Well, we don't know what to take from this. We don't know how much this means. As we always say when discussing spring training stats, you know, buyer beware and take them with a grain of salt, etc. But Mackenzie Gore is not having a good exhibition season. Five starts. He has an ERA of 7.07. He has a whip of 193. He is uh, averaging a mere 5.79 strikeouts per nine innings. His last outing was an 11-7 win over the Houston Astros this past Friday, a game in which the son of former Nats manager and current Astros manager, Dusty Baker, Darren Baker, hit a grand slam. That was a lot of fun. But Mackenzie Gore in that game, five runs in four innings. It's interesting in reading and listening to him after games, he is a very harsh self-evaluator, which I actually kind of like. I think a lot of great athletes are like that. But he's not having a great exhibition season. How much stock we should put in that, we don't know. But, you know, like Kate Cavalli, this guy is unproven at the major league level. You'd like to see him be pitching well. He isn't, and he seems to be getting worse as this exhibition season is going on, not better. Yeah, I thought his first outing was probably his best one, at least the ones that I've seen, and this one was probably the worst of them. And you're right, he gets down on himself. And Davey Martinez actually worries a little bit about that. Like, I agree with you, you want to have a little bit of that perfectionist competitive mode in you that wants to, even when things go well, figure out, well, what could I do better? But I think Davey also worries that within a start, he misses a couple pitches. He's down on the count 2-0, and that he might let it affect him a little too much and now try to make the perfect pitch or let his emotions get the best of him. And that's something they're going to want to work with him on. They've talked about it with him. He is a very competitive young guy. He's kind of self-deprecating in the way he was talking to us about it. But at the same time, you could tell like he felt deep down 
this isn't good enough. I expect more of myself. Now, I asked him about last spring and I went back and looked at it and he kind of laughed. He had a good start to the spring and then finished rough, but then he opened the season and his first nine major league starts, he had a 1-5 ERA for the Padres. So he kind of laughed. He said, well, maybe this is just the way it's going to go. You know, We'll see. <laughs> Check back the first week of April. We'll let you know how that all worked out for him. But I do think it's discouraging. I told you about how good Cade looked in that last start. I was encouraged not just for him, but for the team, because we just have not seen that many starts this spring that made you say, okay, wow, yeah, all right, I'm feeling this. I can see where the improvement's going to come from. We haven't seen it from Mackenzie Gore. I think Josiah Gray had maybe one to get excited about. Trevor Williams got rocked the other day. The best start of the spring so far, honestly, was Sunday from Chad Cool. Five innings, one run against the Tigers. That kind of tells you where they're at. Now, again, it may mean nothing two weeks from now when this thing actually starts up for real. And we'll see. Hopefully, it didn't mean anything. But for a team that's so unproven, especially in the rotation, boy, it would be nice to have a couple more things to cling to this spring where you said, okay, that guy looked really good today. Yeah. And, you know, I always go back to like the many times that a player struggled in spring training and then did well in the regular season. Like just a couple of years ago, Ryan Zimmerman looked awful in 2021 spring training and then actually had a pretty nice final season of his major league career. Daniel Hudson, two spring trainings ago, looked hideous in 2021 spring training, actually ended up pitching well. But of course, those guys were established major leaguers. Mackenzie Gore isn't. And so I think it kind of does matter what kind of an exhibition season he has. I mean, he doesn't have to have an ERA under one but you would like to see him progressing, not regressing. I mean, you, do, you know, you don't want to see already to be above seven, which is what it is. Five starts and a grapefruit league play. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray starts, those now become even more important if that's even possible with what has happened with Cade Cavalli. We had some Nats news on Sunday morning. The team announced that Ricky Gutierrez has been added to the major league staff as the run prevention coordinator. Like just that title got me excited because that seems like a forward-thinking analytics-based kind of title. Ricky Gutierrez joined the Nats in 2022 as a special assistant off five seasons in the Cincinnati Reds organization. There are job titles and then there are job descriptions. What exactly is meant by Ricky Gutierrez being the Nats run prevention coordinator? Well, it was also described to me as like a defensive coordinator. So maybe he's got a little Jack Del Rio in him. No, actually, hopefully he doesn't have any Jack Del Rio in him. Really what he's going to be doing, the reason he's going to be added to the staff is to work directly with CJ Abrams and Luis Garcia. His focus is on those guys. He's a former big league middle infielder, played uh, mostly for the Astros, but for a few different teams, the 90s, early 2000s. And Davey Martinez has known him for a long time as a lot of members of Davey's staff. So you had... Over the last year, Gary DeSarcina, the third base coach, Tim Bogart, the bench coach, also handled the infield. And while they both have experience in that, and they, I think they do a fine job with that, they do have other responsibilities, particularly Bogart as a bench coach. So I think the thought here was, let's bring in somebody who, and he'll be in the dugout during games, who when Bogar's busy trying to help Davey manage a game and you know make sure everything's set with who needs to warm up and who's available on the bench and all that stuff. And while Gary DeSarcina is out there coaching third base when the team's hitting, here's a guy who could be in the dugout talking to Abrams and Garcia about their positioning, about decisions they made in the field, whatever it might be. And I think when you have two young infielders like that, having somebody who has played the position in the big leagues for a long time, 
apparently a good communicator. I think that's a nice, valuable thing to have. Now, I, what tangible difference is going to make, I don't know, but I do think it's a sign of the importance that the team is placing in those two kids. They really are the future at shortstop and second base, they believe. So they want to try to put them in the best possible position to have success. So there will be some things that, you know, he'll be in on all the meetings, he'll get the analytics, and then it's his job to help them decide where are we positioning ourselves? How do we react to different situations? It'll be interesting to see how this all work out. It's a big year for those two kids. They really need to see, not just offensively, but I think especially defensively, a lot of growth there. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, the Nats did have someone like this a little less than 10 years ago during the two Matt Williams seasons. This guy, Mark Wiedemeyer, a member, was brought in as kind of like the same thing, like a defensive coordinator. And the thinking at the time was, hey, the Nats, who haven't been shifting very much, are going to really start to embrace shifts. That didn't really happen. But, you know, having someone dedicated to defense, even to just like a couple of key middle infielders like that, I think that's perfectly fine. You know, if you go by team defensive run saved, the Nats have not rated well in that category since 2014. Like even some of the really good Nats teams like 2016, 2017, 2019, those were not like great defensive teams. The strength of the Nats run prevention in those years was the starting pitching, as we know. So to make up for what we expect to be probably suboptimal pitching this coming season with some good defense, I think would be great. Like it is really run prevention. And, you know, traditionally we think of run prevention as pitching, but run prevention can come in the form of defense. So yeah, like beef up that defense and that can be worth some wins over the course of a season. So, I mean, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that, you know, remember the shift is no longer a part of the game. Well, you've now got a guy who played middle infield at a time when, yeah, there was the occasional shift, but for the most part, you're playing straight up, maybe shading to one side or the other. So he's got some more experience working in that kind of situation and can maybe help these guys understand how far can you push it? Where should you position yourself for particular hitters and in particular situations? So maybe there's a little bit something to that, the idea of a guy who played the position both shortstop and second base and had to do so at a time when you weren't constantly having extra help, you know, 20 feet to your left or your right. By the way, I saw something pretty interesting from the Minnesota Twins in an exhibition game within the last few weeks. So obviously you are limited with what you can do with infielders now, but outfielders you can play around with. And the Twins put their center fielder in shallow right field in what had become the quote unquote shift spot for second baseman in recent seasons. Now, obviously that leaves a gaping hole in center field potentially, unless I guess you move your left fielder over. But I wonder if we're going to see teams, you know, try to rig the system a little bit and try to get creative with outfielder placement, you know, given the confines now with infielders. So it's going to be, there might be, I, I don't like the banning of the shifts or the limitations of the shifts, but I think there could be an interesting chess match going on. And maybe teams do get ultra creative in trying to come up with various defensive deployments. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that, some experimentation. The Nats have certainly been considering these things. They've thought about it. They're trying to decide in that case, like which hitters is it worth trying to do it on? You know, you say, well, would you do that for one Soto at the plate? Probably not because he will drive a ball to left field, especially if it's vacated out there. But there are others, maybe a Kyle Schwarber, somebody who really does just try to pull the ball most of the time, that it might be worth doing that. The other thing that you can do, and I actually saw them practice this just the other day and it may only come up every once in a while and, and mostly at like the end of a game where you're sort of in desperation mode, but you can have a five-man infield. That's allowed. <laughs> and they actually did run a drill 
with that, a five-man infield, and it's probably Lane Thomas who would come in from right field. He actually has played a little bit of second base before. So it's something they're considering, and maybe there is a scenario in which it's worth trying to do that sometime. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. You know I love my analytics. Well, here are some stats for you. 43% of your utility bill is heating cost. You can save up to 30% on your heating cost with new Window Nation windows. Energy costs are rising. In Washington, D.C., energy costs are up 25% as compared to where they were at last year. It's not too late to address your high energy costs by getting yourself some new Window Nation windows and take advantage of Window Nation's off-season prices. Get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay zero money down, make zero payments, and get 0% financing for 24 months. That's two years, pay nothing. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Are your current windows leaking? Hey, that can cause serious structural damage to your home and can cause mold to grow. Leaky windows can allow mold to grow inside your home completely unnoticed. Get yourself some new Window Nation windows. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. And tell Window Nation that you want what you heard about from Al Galdi. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus zero money down, zero payments, and 0% financing for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. 1-1. Rosarena runs. Manessas charges it to left field. Joey Manessas takes it out. All right. I did want to hit on the World Baseball Classic because the last seven days or so, there just has been so much to take in. So there have been some outstanding moments in this WBC. I mean, what Joey Manessas did now two Sunday nights ago, spectacular with the two home runs, the five RBI. It was great to see that. You know, great to see the rest of the world be uh, smartened up to what we have known as uh, Nationals fans and observers for a while. For those of you who stayed up to watch Team USA this past Saturday night, the Trey Turner Grand Slam and the explosion of the crowd. I mean, it felt like a World Series game. It was an awesome sight to see. All of that has been great. However, we now have seen multiple star players suffer serious injury in this WBC. Mets closer Edwin Diaz suffered a full thickness tear of the patellar tendon in his right knee, has undergone surgery. We had news on Sunday afternoon from the Astros that Jose Altuve sustained a right thumb fracture after being hit by a pitch. He's going to undergo surgery in the coming days, and uh, he's expected to miss a couple of months. You know, it is tricky because this is a great event. It does a lot, I think, to get people excited for the baseball season. At the same time, I think it is really tough from a club perspective because guys do get hurt. Like these are real baseball games. Things can happen. I know with Diaz, it was in a postgame celebration, but still, I mean, he got injured, you know, participating in the WBC. So I don't know what all of this means for the WBC going forward, but I do think multiple things can be true because I've seen a lot of back and forth of like, well, the WBC is meaningless. No, the WBC is great. Forget about the injuries. It's like, no, both things can be true. It is a great event. Players should be excited to participate in it if they want to. At the same time, I think if you're a team, if you're an owner, if you're a general manager, 
I could very much understand having mixed feelings about especially your star players participating in this thing. I get that. And of course, you're always going to be nervous whenever somebody leaves and is out of your control. But what I would also say is that most of these things are injuries that could happen in a spring training game. They weren't necessarily directly related to the more intense competition. Jose Altuve was hit by a pitch up and in. That can happen anywhere, anytime. I know the Diaz one was bizarre celebration, but honestly, it wasn't an over-the-top celebration. It's a little bit of jumping up and down. And yeah, that wouldn't happen in spring training normally, but it's not like he got hurt because he's throwing a lot of high-intensity pitches in March that you know you wouldn't normally be doing. And we see guys suffer major injuries in spring training. We just talked about Cade Cavalli, but the Dodgers lost Gavin Lux on a freak play running the bases earlier this spring. So I'm not real big on the the notion that this event shouldn't happen because of the risk of injury to players. I think the positives far outweigh the negatives. It is a wonderful event. And to hear the players, and we've had a few of them come back to camp the last few days, Jamer Candelario, Andres Machado, Erasmo Ramirez, they raved about it. They were disappointed their teams didn't win, but they enjoyed every moment of it. And especially for these guys from other countries, you can tell what it means to them to play for their country. I've loved watching it. I wish I could go. The games are, you know, an hour away. Marlins Park, I'm stuck here, unfortunately, West Palm Beach every day. I would love to be there experiencing it. My broader thing about the WBC is this. I really wish it was held in July. I wish this was like the NHL taking a two-week all-star break for the Olympics. I know they don't do it anymore, but at the time they did. Because I think at least at that point, two things you'd have your pitchers would be in full regular season modes. You wouldn't have to have the restrictions on them. And then secondly, I just think more fans would get into it at that time of year than right now. I was watching that, the Trey Turner home run, but I'll admit it, it was on my iPad because on the TV, I was watching Northwestern in the round of 32, the NCAA tournament. There's a lot else going on right now. And to go head to head with March Madness is a tough one, I think, for baseball. If you could get everybody to buy in and do this in the middle of the summer, when there's not as much going on and you put it on national TV in prime time, I think this could be a huge event. I really do. Well, you certainly would have more of the sports landscape to yourself in the middle of the summer, no doubt. I just think it would be even tougher than though, again, from a club perspective, you're in the middle of a pennant race and you're going to let some of your best players participate in this thing. I mean, you know, especially with guys who are injury prone, like go back to when the Nats were good. You're going to let Steven Strasburg pitch in the World Baseball Classic. He wants to pitch in that. Like, really, you're going to take that chance? I mean, And the thing is, as a fan, I don't think that I would want that. I would be like, no, I want my guy for my team in its pennant race, like, you know, whatever with the WBC. There isn't a perfect time. I mean, I thought maybe you do it after the season, but, you know, after the season, people are like baseballed out and then you're going head to head with the NFL and college football. So like, that's not ideal. I don't know. I mean, sometimes like there isn't a perfect placement for something. And, you know, I feel like, look, with the WBC, you are getting enough star players to partake in it. And it's not like a bunch of teams are banning key players from playing in it to where, hey, maybe this is just the way that it is. And it can be, you know, just fine this way. But, you know, it's just like you've had this push-pull of these great, awesome moments. But then also, like, Edwin Diaz down, Jose Altuve down. You know, these are named guys. And their absences, in theory anyway, are going to hurt those players' teams in this upcoming season. So, you know, just something uh, to consider here. 
Well, you tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. You can always tweet the show at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast as well, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. We are accepting sponsors for individual episodes this season. So hit up the great Tim Shovers if you would like to be a part of the pod. Uh, again, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You get yourself or someone who you know a great Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to NatsChatPodcast.com. Dot square dot site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the great music for the Nats Chat Podcast. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Broken bat flare, left field, base hit, Ricky around third. Here comes the throw. Oh, Ricky fell down, and now the Cubs have runners all over the place. Fasano throws to second. Girardi in a rundown between first and second. Helton... Let's and Girardi on the hook. Nobody's at first. Oh. There's the tag out runner coming home. He is out. Oh, safe, safe, safe. Cubs win. Cubs win. Cubs win. What a crazy way to end the game. And somehow Gutierrez got the arm in. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.